Debbie, we're pleased to have you back with us again. Let me tell you, if there's anyone in here who has not subscribed to her blog, I would certainly encourage you to do that. This past week, she had she had one entitled, Can't, Never Could. Can't, Never Could. And when I read that, I thought of McCormick's book, you know, Tell It Like It Can Be. You talk about a double dose of hope. That's what you've got between Debbie and Jim, who incidentally will be here next week. But Debbie, we're just pleased to have you back. Come and tell us how to develop a trusting heart. Well, I am glad to be here. Um, they, they handed, uh, last week, I was at a retreat speaking to 240 women, so I'm glad to have a mixed crowd this morning. <laughs> um, but the uh, Nazarene District, which it would be like a conference in the United Methodist, their women's group had a retreat, 240 women. I spoke on some of the things I'm talking about today, but in, a, of course, a broader way. But I'm glad to be here to tell you, share with you some things that I've been learning about developing a trusting heart. It's a very important subject to me, because I think a lot of people think that if you know how to trust people, then you'll know how to trust God. Or if you don't know how to trust people, you can't. Both are scary propositions if you want to develop a life of So, developing a heart that trusts. You can also say growing a heart, nurturing a heart. Sometimes, not always, we try to learn more about God, which is a good thing, but it doesn't transfer into um, trusting God. You know, we just, we think our knowledge is going to somehow miraculously develop trust. Well, no, there's there's some connection points that have to happen in that process. If they're happening for you, then those connection points are there. But if it's not happening, then all you've got is a head full of knowledge. And then when it comes time for you to trust, it's hard, and you don't know why, okay? So that may hit some of you, not everybody. This is not a everything, uh, everybody does it the same way. Sometimes people treat trust as something I have to do better, harder. So I'm going to trust. <laughs> yeah, does that look like trust? <laughs> but that's what we do. That's what we do. Now let me give you a, 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 an example of, of why this doesn't make sense. It won't hit everybody again, but do you have to try harder to love your <laughs> Now, you may have to try harder to understand them, especially as they get into the teenage years. Absolutely. But if you want to understand them, where does that come from? Your love for them, right? No one has to tell you to love them harder. You already do. Why don't we put that picture on our trust relationships with God? So if we're trying harder, something's wrong. So when we talk about trusting God, I'm talking about a trust that pulls me into a relationship of honest and growth. So let me start with a declaration that the, the children of Israel heard. And I'm going to personalize it to the children of CUC. The Lord our God alone is God. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. 
Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 6. But my basic question for us is this. How do we put our heart into loving God that How do we develop a heart that loves God at least as deeply, if not deeper, than any other person in our lives, including our grandchildren. So when I present this in multiple sessions, I always start with something else that I don't have time to develop, but I just want to throw it out there for just a moment. I start by helping people understand how to uncover or recover their hunger for God and His ways. Uh, I believe that God has planted a hunger in our hearts. Um, and we're the ones who bury it with doing too much and staying too busy and not having enough time. And you know, you know all of that. But what I do know by experience is that when we uncover our hunger for God, nobody has to, nobody. I mean, think about that with physical hunger. When you're hungry, do you just wait until somebody tells you where the food is? <laughs> when you're hungry, <laughs> you know where the food is <laughs> and you go right to it, right? Same thing is true when we develop a hunger for God. And it's possible, a hunger for his word and his ways. That doesn't mean you stay in the Bible all day long and be irresponsible about other responsibilities. No, but you you hunger for him and his ways. But I think what's missing sometimes in this equation is the heart that trusts God. And so that's where I want to start. The starting place and the kind of relationship I'm talking about is a trust. Now, the truth is, we know we're supposed to trust God, right? We're supposed to. I mean, the, the, the Bible's filled with trust verses. I had to go through a bunch of them to just select a couple that I wanted to pull out for today. Um, but trust that is developed by supposed to is a trust that's developed based on guilt and duty a very ineffective process for any kind of relationship, especially an intimate relationship. By duty? No. Guilt? So I, I, I think you know that there's just very little God-defined love in a relationship that comes from duty or guilt. The Christian life, the life filled and directed by Christ, involves wholehearted trust of the one you follow. Now, what I fear is not what you know about trust, but what you have learned about trust from the wrong places, the wrong relationships, the wrong experiences, and you put those lessons upon God. And it happens. I've talked to a lot of people who struggle because of the broken trust relationships in their own lives, and they treat God. Can't be true. When it happens, it makes trust a very tenuous rope that's, that's fraying and it looks like a risk to grab hold of that or or one of those those wood slat rope bridges that I would not go across because it just looks too risky. Sometimes we treat trust with God in the big issues, in the big issues especially as something that oh it's just too too risky for me to take that. You know, I'll, I'll try to trust. See, here's that try word. Here's what I know. We live at risk of losing beauty, fulfillment, peace, purpose, direction when we try to live like Jesus without a wholehearted trust in him. And here's the big issue. If you're going to surrender your rights to somebody, if you're going to surrender the priceless parts of your life and identity to somebody, well, you better trust that. Trust is very, very important. But trust, hear this if you don't hear anything else is our response to someone else. Trust isn't what we do. Trust is the way we respond. 
So if someone acts responsibly, I'll trust them. And if that, if that responsibility is a consistent responsibility, I'll keep trusting. Hold that thought. So when I'm talking about trusting God and developing a heart that I always start here. I always start here. I start not with what God does or not with what God has done in my life or not done in my life. I start who is as recorded in his. That's where I start. And it's a lot easier to get there than I think you think it might be. It's an important order. I've heard a lot of people say a lot of things about God that just aren't true. I cannot find a scripture to back it up. They accuse God of acting in certain ways and being certain kinds of of ways that, that doesn't ring true with the picture that I read in God's word. And when I hear that, I know that somewhere, somewhere, that trust broken by a misunderstanding, by something unexpected, but not by who God is. In order to trust God as he asks us, we trust his character, his integrity, or not. I always talk about trusting God's character, not just trusting God, because I think it makes, for me anyway, it makes it very clear what it is I'm trusting. I'm trusting the character of God, not just this God bubble. (laughs) And it reminds me that I'm not trusting a dictator. I am trusting the artist who created this world with such beauty and form and balance. I'm trusting the one whose words have lasted longer than any Pulitzer Prize winning author. I'm trusting the essence of all love. I'm trusting the unfailing source of all power. And I'm trusting the 27 always. I develop a heart that trusts God's character. Here's what I know. If you don't trust God's character, you will question. You you will. And you'll struggle with obedience at, at every time it comes up and seems to invade your territory or what you call your territory. And possibly you can live with consequences of decisions that you make on your own out of desperation. And that's not living the abundance. So I like the way um, the psalmist says it in 118.9. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man or one or political agency or government or anything else you want to put there. (laughs) Did you know that that verse is in the exact middle of the Bible? The numbered verse of the numbered verses. Now, you can't open the Bible and it shows up in the middle. No, but in the numbered verse. I didn't do the counting. I'm taking somebody else's word for it. But it's our center point. Trust is our center point. It's our fulcrum. It's what everything rises or falls upon. It could be why there's struggle where you didn't want it with your relationship. Starting place is to develop a heart that trusts the character of God, not just our best idea of who he is. The absolute character of God. We can't make God into our own image or into the image of anybody else. We have to know who God really is is. So I go back to a very important statement I heard from a Bible teacher that I've always called my spiritual mentor. I was connected with her in my first career job as a staff member on church at a church, and she was also a staff member in charge of college students. And uh, she was just my, became my spiritual mentor. She is with God in heaven now, and I don't get to ask her my, my deep <laughs> abiding questions, but her words 
come back to me over and over again. And this is one of the best things I think she ever said. God is more than who you think he is, but who you think he is. Colors every way you respond. You got it? God is, yeah, I will, I will. God is more than who you think he is. We all, we, we know that. I mean, he's, he's bigger. We can't put him in a box. We can't say he's just this way. He just keeps bursting our box, you know, which is a good thing. He's more than who you think he is, but who you think he is colors everything you believe. So what that means is if you believe this much about God and God's this much, maybe that's where you've hit a wall with your trust. I want to share one of the most helpful Bible lessons that I received from this spiritual mentor. I still go back to, we're not going to do the whole Bible study. I'm just just going to kind of give you a sample of it. It is something that you can do on your own. She had us take the roles of God as as explained and described in, in the Bible. The roles of God. I've chosen three. Judge, Father, and Counsel. We know that in the Bible, God is, is, is called by those roles, okay? There are lots of others. Then she had us put all the positive characteristics we'd want in that role and all the negative characteristics. So I've just done a, a quick one here. Um, so if, if you have ever had to stand before a judge, we'll, we'll ask for no show of hands. <laughs> when you want that judge to be protecting, or, oh, I'm sorry, to be fair and impartial, just and knowledgeable. What other response? What other way would you like that judge to be? Merciful. <laughs> Good point. Maybe have a sense of humor. <laughs> okay. And then negative. You wouldn't want the judge to be prejudiced. Only see things one way. You know, and and not be listening to all the facts. Not to be biased. Not to be insensitive. Anyone else have a negative? You don't want a judge to be ignorant. <laughs> okay. Now, when we get to Father, that can be a little tricky area with, with some of us because some of us didn't have good father models. Nobody in this room had a perfect father model. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just the truth because... In the same way we have have executed our parenting roles, we're not perfect either. Neither were our parents, but some have had some examples and and were and learned some things that they shouldn't have learned. So what I always ask is, think of your ideal. Think of the ideal father. What would you want in a father? I put down protecting, loving, sensitive, gentle. Does what's best for me. Anyone else? Provider. Giving. Rich. Okay. <laughs> okay, fine. No problem there. <laughs> good teacher, he says. Yes, good teacher. And what about the negatives? Absent. You don't want a father to be absent or too strict or angry, doesn't understand me, too busy, doesn't care. Yes. Addicted to anything, anyone but me. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, then a counselor, if you... You would want a counselor to be a good listener, to be wise, to be understanding. Any any other things knowledgeable. you knowledgeable? Yes, absolutely. How about the on the negative side? I don't want a distracted counselor. <laughs> Always, you know, making notes about something else or uh, harsh. Talks too much so that I can't talk. Yeah, doesn't understand anyone else. Okay, so you 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 get the picture. 
And she did something that I will never forget. And every time I come to this point, it still sends prickles up and down my, my arm. <laughs> she put an X in all of the negative characteristics that we list. All of them. <laughs> and she reminded us that all of the positive characteristics in their most perfect form, in their most consistent form, are present in God. And then we have to ask ourselves, which of the negative characteristics <coughs> might we be responding to God as if he is? And which of the positive characteristics have we not been accessing? You see where some trust issues could be broken down? If you have trouble trusting God, usually it's because there's something about the character of God you don't get yet. You haven't discovered. Someone hasn't taught it to you. It's not because it's not one of those things where I'm supposed to know it. No, you, you might not yet. So just start there and let God teach you who he is in one of those ways. I start by rehearsing the characteristics of God. Now, I don't do this every day, every time I have a quiet time, every time I, I, I you know, but on occasions when my heart is heavy, when I am confused, when I need, you know, my cry is, oh God, I need your help. I start not by telling him all about my troubles and what he already knows. And I don't really need hearse it again. But what I start with, he is. I like to use the Psalm 103 summary of those characteristics. One of the best, you know, summaries in one place that I found. But you'll find characteristics of God all the way through. And I would, I would challenge you to just start making a list of them. Get some tablet or something and just start making a list. So that in your time of need, you go to the list. And you can go down because you know you've already done the study and you know that the Bible says these things about God. And you just go down until you get to the one, oh, that's the one today. I need your, I need your understanding. I need whatever it is. The best truth of all is that when I do this, it keeps me from asking God to jump through my hoops. You understand what I mean by that? Do what I want, please, God. <laughs> I've studied this. I've analyzed this. I know this is the best course. So do it, please. <laughs> now, I will tell you that one of the one of the lessons I learned from my husband in the first sermon I ever heard him preach was, it is just as rebellious to say now to God as it is to, ouch, ouch. So, but when I am trying to try, when I, when I'm sorry, I used the word try. When I want to tr trust God's character, then I need to understand that God comes to me in his allness. That, that was something that was very important for me to catch on to in, as I began growing in the life and love that, that God had for me. Now, I may need his compassion. And so I ask for his compassion. But when he shows up, he's justice, he's love, he's the pruner, he's the healer, he's, he's all of who he is. In the same way that when you show up to your grandchildren, you're not just grandparent. You're also wife and, and or father, father and husband. And, you know, you're all of your roles. But, but your grandchildren need you as grandparent. And you know how to do that. So just, and the good news is that when you do that, you're going to get more than the best you know. You're going to get the best.
Gardner. And that's what there's some very important results that a trusting heart produces. And I just want to capture a couple of them. But one of them is, is to be a trusting heart develops almost immediately a listening heart. Don't you listen to the people you trust? And you listen to them more? And you try to be in their circles when they're talking? <laughs> You'd like to sit at that table, please, because you know the conversation will be uplifting, will give you something, will help you know something. Same thing is true with a trusting heart toward God. Trusting heart wants to listen. You don't have to tell me to listen. I want to listen. I want to very much. I learned a very important lesson about listening. Just married Mark. Lisa was turning four. Now, some of you know our story. Some of you don't. um, But Mark's first wife died way too young of unexplained, inoff lung cancer, 30. Lisa was three years old, about somewhere in that that area. I never met his, uh, his first wife, so I only know the stories about her. But when I came into Mark and Lisa's life, well, there was a lot going on. You know, Mark was trying to navigate the world as a single dad and a single pastor. And Lisa was dealing with the death of her mother the best way she knew how to. As a three-year-old, you don't send them to grief counseling. He also told me that Lisa had been waking up several times during the night because her legs hurt. It was the start of her ju- juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, but we didn't know. Master bedroom was at one end of the hall, and her room was down the hall. You know, Mark told me as soon as he her, her, would hear her whimper, he'd be dying, rubber legs. So, so, after our honeymoon, after coming back with a little bit of transition time with just the two of us, we had our first night. All three of us slept under the same roof, and I knew what would probably happen, that she would wake up. And my heart, wanting to be this new mother, wanted to be the one to go comfort her. Sure enough, in the middle of the night, I heard her whimper. I turned over to my sleeping, who had always heard the whimper, and he was asleep. So I rustled in the bed. (laughs) He didn't wake up. So I got up, went down the hall, comforted Lisa for the next 30 minutes until she got quiet again and came back, made a little noise getting back in bed. He was still asleep. (laughs) Because... We hear what we want. That is why it is so important to develop a listening heart. A heart that wants to listen to everything God says. The yeses, the noes, the waits, the be quiets, all of it. I like the way, uh, the lesson that Lloyd Ogilvie learned when he realized that he spent 90% of his time listening, uh, 90% of his time talking in his prayer time and 10% listening. And he decided to switch the order. Now, it'd be a challenge for me to do that. (laughs) We all know how to talk to God. When he started spending 90% of the time listening, 10% talking, he found out more of his prayers. Hmm, wonder what happened, the communication that goes on between a listening heart and a speaking God that shapes it for the resources and the answers that he's preparing that you haven't even asked for. And then you do ask for them, and it's, wow, God, you gave me. And he's preparing your heart to receive them. God is a speaking God, but unfortunately. The other outcome of a heart that tr- it trusts God is that it is a heart for obedience. Now, I mean, to me, this is a no-brainer. What do you do if you're going to listen to somebody? You're, you're trusting them. You're listening. Why do you listen to anybody? Why would you listen to God if you're not going to do what he says? I, I, I don't have an answer to that question. <laughs> We listen so that we can obey, so that we can follow. We don't listen to God to decide if I'm going to. 
then there's a trust issue there someplace. Someplace. If you hunger for God's so that you trust his character and listen for his voice, what good is it if you don't? This is my definition. Obedience is an attitude of the heart that moves the will to act on what God says. So developing a trusting heart for obedience means that we reduce the amount of time between God's direction and our action. We reduce struggle when we do that. Because I think all the struggle is when I'm trying to decide if I'm going to do it. That is the struggle. But if I say I'm going to do it and I do it, there's no struggle. (laughs) There may be angst, but there's no struggle. It's a predetermined decision. If if I believe that God wants to supply all my needs, if I believe that God has a, a, a plan for me that gives me a hope and a future, if I believe that he knows how to direct my steps to level paths and green pastures, why, why wouldn't I want to obey? I look for a way, not reasons. Now, that doesn't mean there's no struggle because there are times when I, when God has been very clear about what he wants me to do. And I said, don't, um, that just doesn't sound like it fits me. I don't think I could do that. And I try to, you know, just like some of you, I try to give all the reasons why. I, probably not God. Probably not. But it was. So I've developed, and I've done this for a very long time, and I'm being just, just gut level honest. I have this kind of conversation with, and I say, God, you know I'm going to say yes, but right now I don't feel it. I'm having trouble with it, but you give me some time and I'll get there because I have already decided this is not up for, for choice. I've already decided I will obey. You're not going to. So I will obey. Just give me some. And then every time I obey, I find we are incomplete without obeying God. Without obedience, God cannot do his best work. We're left to do our own sad, sad way. I like this illustration from Tim Hansel. You may or may not be familiar with him as a writer. He was in the wrote a lot of books in the 80s. This book I, I did not read, but it's called Holy Sweat. I like his titles. I, the one I read was When I Relax, I Feel Guilty. <laughs> he, he, he put together some good titles. But he remembers the day when he and his son, Zach, were out in the country climbing around in some cliffs. And all of a sudden, he heard a voice uh, from above him, and he said... The voice said, hey, Dad, catch me. Well, before he even had time to think whether he could or not, I mean, the boy jumped. And he was becoming a circus act all of a sudden, trying to make sure that he could catch his son. They both fell to the ground. Of course, the boy was giggling. The father was gasping. (laughs) Um, And after he got his voice, Tim asked his son, Zach, can you give me one good reason you did that? He said, sure, because you're my dad. <laughs> you get it? Why would you ever trust? Because he's my Abba. He's my daddy. He's my healer. He's my helper. I don't have anybody else who can help me in my wounded places, in my hurt places, in my I don't know places, in, a, in the I don't want to places. I don't have anybody else in my life. Who can help me? He's he's my. It's a relationship I think we all ultimately all hunger for. We can turn over unanswered questions for now to a God. We can look confidently into an unpredictable future if we trust God. We can live in an unstable world with confidence and security because God. But let me also say this: God is patient and compassionate toward us. And when we struggle here, He's willing to in His. And if you at, if you come to God at that place, asking for his patience and compassion, that's a step of Start there. Nothing wrong with that. Don't make up a place to start. Start where you are, not where you aren't. Do what you, because God always. I want to leave you 
with I taught well another scripture hurry without delay to obey I like this is in New Living Translation and so obey without delay is something this brain but this verse the Lord is my strength and shield this is from the New Living Translation I will trust him with all when I taught Sunday school to a group of ladies on a regular basis I always left with a blank I pray that the God who is trustworthy will take your hand and take you one more step into a deep, secure abide that you can live with and live on. The quest in the midst of God, worship all going. I don't know. Does anybody know what these are? This is something about job fair employers, job networking. Okay. Anyway, uh, thank you, Debbie. Your lessons are always so inspiring. Makes us makes me want to go out and be a better person. And um, I'll only speak for myself. Even at this stage of my life, there are times I'll go, nah, I'm going to do it this way, and it never turns out well. <laughs> never does it turn out well. I do have a hard time sometimes trusting in what he wants me to do. And there, I have a script, and I still forgot to do this. Um, there's a service of remembrance, uh, no, 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 December 3rd at 7 p.m. in the chapel. And if you would like your loved one's name said during the service, contact Patty Hampton, and um, by Monday, November fifth, 25th, I'm sorry. An evening in Bethlehem is December 14th, and it is in the, the dot. It's in no? It's in this Just this room? Okay. <laughs> Doesn't even say where it is That's, that I can see. Anyway, okay. And also Thanksgiving, if you have nothing to do, no family, and you're not cooking, they could uh, use your help in the kitchen. They are serving Thanksgiving dinner to um, people. And they need volunteers to sit around the table with guests. Guests, And um, so you can help out in that way if you are uh, wanting to do that. The Christmas Festival concerts, December 13 at 730. That's a Friday. And Sunday, December 15 at 3 p.m. And you get a ticket. There's, they're complimentary tickets, as you all all know. Uh, this week at uh, Wednesday night out, roasted turkey, so we'll have Thanksgiving dinner Wednesday night out. All right, um, my little saying for today, if we are serious about loving God, we must begin with people, all people, and especially we must learn to love those that the world generally discards. Make it a great week. God loves you. <laughs>